Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we cover the cross-country pick five, covering races at Belmont and Churchill Downs on Saturday, May 22nd. This is show number 122, May 21st, 2021. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how are you this morning? Great. Uh, it's sort of a, been a chilly week here in the Pacific Northwest. In fact, it, I think it snowed in Montana yesterday, but uh, it's definitely unseasonably cool. I kind of like the hot weather, so I'm sort of looking forward to it when it finally warms up, but I'm not complaining. It's still pretty nice out there. Let's see. Uh, here it's 73 going up to 81. A little warm for May, but I'll take yeah. it. Take it for today. And things are pretty hot in Canterbury, Minnesota. <laughs> Although they might be getting that cool weather, uh, but certainly heating up on uh, at the racetrack with opening weekend and a great new contest on Sport of Kings. Yes, and it's not actually Canterbury. That's Shakopee, Minnesota, home of Canterbury Racetrack. And uh, home of the 10% pick five and pick six, which we are helping them to celebrate by running four contests this season, this meet of theirs on Sport of Kings. Yeah, 10% takeout for pick five, that's about as low as you'll find anywhere. That's a pretty good value for players. And the Canterbury product is not bad at all. The field sizes are pretty good. They run on both turf and dirt. Uh, they Their signal typically runs, I guess, I'm not exactly sure their schedule, but they run the evening sometimes. And um, definitely uh, a um, track that you'd want to take a look at if you have it in the past. I think it's very player-friendly, and the Sport of King contest makes it that much easier. You get free PPs for some races to get you started. So why not get involved? Yeah. And, um, the, uh, the, the racing there is usually Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Sunday. And there are a few, um, odd, odd holidays that they run on. So, um, in general though, you're looking at Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday, and we have four contests, one of which just started this week that will cover one race per day and we go all the way through the end of the meet and the minimum number of prizes, the minimum amount of prizes is 928 bucks for the first three contests. And then the fourth contest is just to keep people involved who um, uh, just want some action. It's uh, September 1st through 16th, $200 in prizes. And then when we have one like a series contest, that's the extended Canterbury Tail. We're calling it the Canterbury Tail. 
that that's the biggest total of the entire meet. The top prize will be two hundred bucks. So um, the the prizes all come in the form of site credit to horse turn uh, or entry into live bankroll contests. And the ultimate goal is to win your way into the Big Ten BCBC qualifier, which is September 16th. Yeah, and I think they're giving away – the reason they call it the Big Ten is I think they're actually giving away 10 seats to the BCBC and several NHC seats. So that will be a very lucrative contest if you're interested in trying to qualify for either of those contests, particularly the BCBC. Yeah, so if you haven't signed up for the Canterbury Challenge, uh, go ahead and do it now. You never know what kind of bombs are going to come in. We already got, um, I think we had an 8-1 to one and a an 11-1 to one sandwiching Mr. Jägermeister, who won at 6-5. to five. So we're only three races into the first contest, and of course there are multiple contests. And the winning prizes are all for either uh, – uh, either entries into live bankroll contests or feeders into horse tourneys contests that will uh, sort of give you a trail, a path to getting to the Big Ten BCBC qualifier. On the road to Canterbury. Maybe they should write a big, long novel about that. <laughs> <laughs> Play in the Sport of Kings NHC Qualifier starting every month. Each month, the top 50 players who are NHC Tour members advance to Round 2, which is Breeders' Cup weekend. In that final, 450 players will duke it out playing all 14 Breeders' Cup races. Two people will win a seat to the NHC, and the top 100 will get Tour points. Join the NHC Tour before any monthly Round 1 begins. If you join the Tour, you could win up to 20 seats to the NHC in free contests. For only 50 bucks, it's the best deal in racing. If you sign up for the tour, use promo code SPORTOFKINGS so we get credit. If you haven't signed up for our free contest with free DRFPPs, go to sportofkings.net right now. Thank you and good luck. This week, we have a special returning guest. He was an editor on publichandicapper.com for at least 10 years. He's qualified for the NHC two times. And he is sometimes referred to as the King of the Maidens, which is fortuitous since we have two maiden races in the sequence today. He's Henry Wessel. Henry, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. Um, always a good time. So hopefully we can uh, pick some winners this weekend. Henry, I know you've been playing a lot of uh, French racing and Hong Kong races. Uh, can you explain, since you're so into it, why you are um, reaching to the other parts of the earth, two other different continents, to look for your main racing action? Well, I can say that Hong Kong is kind of a unique place where um, they have a set limit of horses that run there. Uh, it's a long season, but they race only two days a week. They have tons of information. Uh, so it's one of those meets where you can get to know the horses. Uh, horses run back. They're easier to follow. Um, the betting menu is often somewhat limited um, in the U.S., but uh, there's still attractive uh, wagering options, the full fields of 14 usually. Uh, you can get some nice-paying trifectas and so forth. Um, my favorite bet was the late pick three, which apparently has been discontinued the last month, so hopefully they bring that back. But um it's just a circuit that um, 
lots of information. It's a long meet. You can follow the horses, and uh, it's a really good uh, place to have information. The classes are easy to decipher. You know where horses are running, and uh, it's just um, an attractive circuit. It's twice a week, so it's easier to follow. you got plenty of time to prepare. Uh, French racing is more kind of just a curiosity that uh, I found um, enjoyable to watch the races again. Um, it's often hard times, hard to find a place to bet, but uh, TVG offers it in the U.S. I'm not sure if anyone else does at this point, but, um, you know, you get some nice uh, high-priced maidens that run there. You can watch the races and then bet them back when they come into stakes races. So, um, you know, they've got some attractive courses, St. Claude, Paris Longchamp, and uh, uh, Chantilly. So, just a circuit I found attractive. They run early in the morning when I am have time to watch the races, and I just found myself uh, following along. So it's um, Hong Kong is more serious. French is kind of like a side hobby. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, did you have any questions for Henry before we get started? Well, uh, following along the Hong Kong races, has that changed? the way you approach the U.S. racing at all, or is it just a completely different um, beast? Um, somewhat it's a completely different beast, but I will say that the courses in Hong Kong post position matters a ton, which may not always be the case or factored in in U.S. racing, but it does give you a time to think about it because like the rail in Hong Kong races, especially sprints on the turf becomes a huge advantage in a lot of races. So you see how people position on the rail and how they run the race. So it does give you some insight as how much uh, saving ground matters. So that's especially useful in us turf racing. So I guess that's kind of one attribute that um, of Hong Kong racing that kind of, you can apply to us racing in certain cases, but uh some of it's unique and some of it like that is something you can certainly apply to U.S. races. Ground loss certainly matters there. Great. Well, we have some turf races today and I think ground loss could come into play. So that's that could be a good follow on. OK, so the cross country pick five is offered by Naira and this week includes Belmont races nine and ten and Churchill races seven, eight, nine. And then they will be run in that exact order because uh, Churchill is running at night on Saturday night. And we will be able to go through the sequence knowing exactly what order they're going to be running in. And the first race is the ninth race at Belmont. It's the Seek Again Stakes, a mile on turf, purse of 100000 for four-year-olds and up. And Henry is our guest. Why don't you get us started? Sure. Um, all right, so there's a field of 10. Uh, two are main track only entries, so it'll be down to a field of eight because I don't believe there's any chance of rain in New York this weekend. So looks like a field of eight. Uh, it's an interesting field. A lot of these horses are not wind machines, so um, for many of them, the winds come few and far between. Um, of the ones I looked at, the one that I uh, found most attractive at a decent price was number eight, Olympic Runner. Uh, his last race was seven furlongs on the turf. This horse always uh, seems to be running at the end. I think the extra eighth of a mile will give him uh, a little bit more distance. Has a very fast work on May 12th of 47 and three. 
So I think he's uh, coming up to a better race. He gets uh, Red Hat John Velasquez riding him at 10 to 1. He seems to value in the race uh, between the two Chad Browns. Um, they both will take money along with Decorated Invader. Neither of those, or all three of them, haven't exactly been lighting it up lately on the win end. Uh, Get Smokin has the potential to be early speed. If he's left alone, he's certainly dangerous. I'm hoping someone also go with him and set it up for the late run of Olympic runner who always, uh, he's always running at the end. Olympic runner whose best turf race was in a one-turn turf race at Woodbine, the Woodbine Mile. Chris, what did you think? Well, I just want to mention that the races are, the Churchill races are at night. So I don't know if there's such records, but this might be like the longest duration uh, same day pick five in the history of racing. <laughs> so you'll have to watch for quite a while to catch all five of these races in sequence. If you're live after two, you're going to have to like t- have a, an extended dinner and then come back and watch the Churchill races. Yeah, you could probably watch a ball game between the those races for sure. There's lots of sporting events going on this weekend, so you can stay entertained, but it will definitely take a while to find out whether or not you win this if you stay live all through through all five legs. So, uh, as Henry mentioned, um, you know, I think that Olympic runner is definitely kind of interesting in here. Um, just one thing I would kind of note is the four-year-old, the four-year-olds this year that were three-year-olds last year, that crop of three-year-olds on these turf routers, we talked about this before that they tend to really improve from three to four. And the four-year-olds this year for, uh, are really doing well. I mean, horses like domestic spending and Gafo and um, I think I'm leaving out a, another, oh, Colonel Liam. They've all kind of been very strong coming back as four-year-olds. And you know, we have two similar types in here, Decorated Invader and Get Smokin'. Both those horses, I think, will be tough um, just because they were in that same group and, and that was, you know, banging heads last year. I think Decorated Invader gets the second off a layoff. He should run well. Get Smokin' probably does clear. And he was in that speed duel with some like it hot brown who we talked about last week um you know it was just an impossible uh speed duel where neither had a chance um, as fast as they went early we saw uh some like it hot brown come back and run a big race you know get smoking uh with a, a different kind of pace scenario could come back and run well so those two i think are definitely contenders in here you'd want to include in the pick five uh, I don't think either one's going to be great value on the win end. Um, I do think there is a good value play for the winner, and that for me is the one horse Epic Dreamer. Uh, this horse has always been good. Um, it it was on the Triple Crown Trail for a little while. Um, uh, you know, it, on the on the dirt. And then as, as it ran really well as a three-year-old. It finished the year off well, but then something went wrong didn't really do anything it's four-year-old year and then it's changed barns now to mark cassie and they uh had a couple starts and then they gelded him and it prior to his last start and they put him long on the turf 
for the first time he'd gone over a mile on the turf and he ran really well right off of the gelding and now he gets his second start on turf going long uh i i think he could really improve off that he draws the rail and interestingly enough irad gets on board in a race with a couple of chad brown horses i think that's significant probably means he'll take a little money because of it but you know henry talked about the advantage of saving ground you've got a rider that values saving ground and knows how to you know work a trip from the rail um so to me epic dreamer is very live at a price here the one horse epic dreamer definitely one of the horses that i considered i am going to go with the same pick as henry with olympic runner um as as noted he his best turf race was in the one turn woodbine mile and basically gets that kind of turf course again and his last race he was against a speed flow i think he will be value and it's a good point about irad taking money on epic dreamer so olympic runner could be at a higher price of the two so he's sort of my he's my top choice but I also like and will use Epic Dreamer and also Delaware, who got a pretty perfect trip in his last, but really closed like a rocket and galloped out huge. And I think he still may be four to one because he was kind of a long shot and he's got Manny and just um, less likely to be bet than, say, Flavius uh, on the outside with Rosario. Henry, anything else you want to add? No, I think it's a pretty open race, and certainly the favorites um, are probably going to be over bet. So I think you're right to be looking for a price in here because, uh, like I said before, no one is uh, a win machine in here. So a lot of it will depend on who gets the best trip. In, actually, Flavius is being ridden by Castellano, not, not Rosario. But either way, he'll take money. Yeah, and Rosario back on board, Decorate Invader is, you know, to me, Decorate Invader is probably the best horse in this race. Um, and, you know, second off the layoff. And, you know, like I said, those four year olds were pretty good last year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, at all if he runs big, uh, especially with Rosario on board. But, you know, he has to, his numbers are, are a little slower than some of the older horses, which is typical when the three-year-olds go to four. But we've seen, like I said, with some of the other horses we mentioned, you know, they did make that big, big uh, uh, improvement and were very competitive with the older horses so far this year. So, you know, Decorate Invader be interesting to see what he does. It does give a little extra weight, which doesn't help these um, at all. And then get smoking. It's hard to see any, you know, uh, Henry, you're saying hope you, somebody goes with him, but who do you think could possibly go with him early? I mean, it seems like he's going to be out winging it pretty clear of the field early. Right. He probably will. I was hoping maybe the three would go a little bit because he's uh, been running in sprints. He's stretching out. Um, so maybe might be wishful thinking, but I was hoping he would put some pressure on. But uh, he does have aggressive rider. So maybe. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that that's the one horse. I don't know how much pressure he can put on him, but yeah, that that would be maybe the one one horse that could 
could be out there early with with get smoking. Okay, and there's some kind of creaking in the background, so somebody needs to mute when they are not talking. I don't know who. Okay. I don't think if I'm you, creaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, okay. So, Henry, just don't forget about that mute button. All right. <laughs> All right. The, the 10th race is a maiden claiming event. It's a mile and 16th on the inner turf, purse of 45,000, fillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. And, Chris, what did you think here? I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is the kind of races that make – Pick five's tough. So I and I don't think there's any standout in here. It's sort of an it's probably too obvious, but I mean a three horse lemon taffy makes its second start. Its first start was an off the turf race for Mike Maker. It showed speed, ran well. Now it's second start. And Maker's not big first um time with first time starters. Now it gets its second start. It's on the turf where it was initially meant to run anyway. And it's Maker, you know, going in a turf route. It looks like there's a couple first-time starters, but other than those, there's really no horse in here that I could see putting any pressure on this horse early. So to me, it's kind of an obvious horse you need to include in the pick five. I don't think it's necessarily valued six to one. I doubt you'll get six to one anyway. Um, but, you know, to me, that's sort of the obvious horse that you want to include. And you can make a case for many others. And I might talk about a few more, but I'll let uh, Henry and Scott weigh in before I say anything else. Lemon's Taffy, uh, out of a Salt Lake mare, which I usually don't associate with turf, but does have a sibling who has uh, did run pretty well on turf. Henry, what are you thinking? Um, I'm kind of on the same page as Chris. I thought Lemon Taffy was the uh, horse that had already run that would be one to use. Um, certainly uh, back in for the same 40 tag it was in for in its first race, so they're not dropping the horse. Um, turf is probably where it's uh, meant to run. So certainly that would be a must-include. Of the two first-timers, I thought Dancing Firefly was the one to use. Um, has two pretty swift 47 and 40 gate works, has a rider that uh, could be aggressive early. Um, the other first time started Quiet Horizon. Um, obviously, Christophe Calmont wins a lot, but this horse um, doesn't show a listed work since April 28th. That's kind of a negative, and also the works um, all seem pretty slow. So that's the one I would toss. I would use the nine Dancing Firefly along with the three uh, Lemon Taffy. I thought the one and the two, both uh, Emma and I and Stormy Cat Lady, they're both kind of career maidens at this point, 0 for 7, 0 for 9. I'd be hesitant to use either one of those at a short price. Well, I actually um, am using one of those career maidens. That, that One of those career maidens is my top pick, and that is Emma and I, who has improved Every time he's run, is it a he? No, it's a she. She's improved every time she's run on turf. And uh, her last race, it says she was bumped, and she was bumped. Uh, I looked at that, and she was seriously bumped and then herded toward the inside. She still closed well to just missing the race. So uh, not a great price, but 
maybe a lot of people will take that angle and um, that angle of you know, the horses run so many times and right, right her off. And then, you know, I'll, I'll be happy when she wins and she's one for eight instead of oh for eight. You sound so enthusiastic about that, case, Scott. <laughs> Not a very good prize. Well, well you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I think this is going to be a, a, a chalky, chalky-ish pick five with maybe one price horse. So that's why I'm, I'm not getting too excited. So, you know, I just, I want to kind of second everything henry said about those first timers um i agree that probably the one you want to include is dancing firefly and the one you might want to play against especially if it really is the favorite is quiet horizon doesn't mean quiet horizon couldn't win but from a value standpoint i totally agree i'm a little worried that dancing firefly with carmouche and that fast gate work might be the horse that pushes lemon taffy early and they you know maybe they they do damage to one another, or maybe they're just going to be the two best horses. So, so I think you want to include them both, but they might actually be work to each other's detriment. It's hard to tell since Dancing Firefly has never ran. That's what makes these races so tough. Um, but there are a couple other, you know, potential real long shots in here, and it's the kind of race that could produce a big long shot. The problem is you can make a case for all of them in that regard, but probably the two I'm the most interested in are uh, that are kind of classic types of horses i like to play um one is the seven horse cosmic kitten this is a horse coming second off a layoff as a four-year-old who ran a decent race uh you know in, in a straight you know a, a non-claiming maiden state bred in his debut back in belmont at belmont and its last race it kind of had some excuses it was off the layoff and you know david donk wins these kind of races sometimes at a price and this a horse definitely looks like it's ready to run a career best race in a race without a whole lot to beat um so you know to me that horse is kind of interesting at a big price and then probably you know the other one that i think might be interested well i mean you can make a case for a lot of them but duck fat a great name there the four horse is um really kind of bred on the underneath it's out of a royal academy mare you'd think this horse would do well on the turf it's never had a chance to run on it it hasn't been too bad on the dirt but you'd kind of think it's dropping down into claiming ranks for the first time and it's trying the turf for the first time and it switches barns to you know, a, a trainer that is pretty good. You know, he's kind of under the radar type trainer, but pretty good. So a lot of changes there. That's the kind that can all of a sudden jump up, you know, has some turf breeding, drops in class, changes barns. A lot of um, signals there that could indicate that this horse might be ready to fire uh, or certainly improve. And it doesn't take a lot of improvement to win this race. So. I'd say from a bomber standpoint, you know, duck fat and cosmic kitten are kind of interesting. I will um, <coughs> just add a couple of uh, ideas. I do like um, duck fat 
because of the breeding, the, the dam won two races on turf. I'm also a little bit interested in really psyched on the outside, the 10 horse. Um, let me see what I liked about really psyched. Uh, good time. First route goes first time route for Bruce Brown, who hits at that angle for a 269 ROI, uh, had lots of trouble in his last race. Uh, I agree with Henry on dancing firefly. Horse has a 47-4 gate work, and the trainer can win first time out routing, turf routing. And then um, I guess you guys didn't mention Quiet Horizon. Uh, Quiet Horizon's not a much of a price, but the trainer with uh, with Manny Franco on first-time starters is 7 for 41 with a 368 ROI. So I'd want to use those four, uh, including Emma and I, and, and also Duck Fat. So probably go five deep in this race. And I think we, we did both mention Quiet Horizon. We both said we thought it was a big underlay. So, um, that, <laughs> Well, that's that why was, I didn't write them down. Yeah, that was the one we, um, I think Henry agreed with me, that will take a lot of money. And, and you know, if you're, you, you're hoping to beat that horse in this race. Yeah, just, I, without a work in three and a half weeks, it just sends a bad signal to me. No listed work since April 28th, unless I'm missing something. Oh, that could be enough to get me up. That plus the price could be enough to get me off him. Sure. Yeah, and plus a Clement horse going in, a maiden claiming state bred. You know, that's not, I would be more um, inclined to lean towards his horses, you know, in straight maidens, you know, non-state bred kind of things, where that, that to me, someone like a Danny Gargan in uh, a maiden claimer state bred, I think, you know, that's where I'm looking for his horses more than Clement too. just the, the type of race. Okay. So some reasons not to like the favorite in that race. We'll then move to the seventh at Churchill Downs, which will be around 9 PM. So you'll have a three hour dinner break between, uh, or, um, Broadway show break, <laughs> Actually, there's no shows on Broadway right now, but they will be back starting in September. The seventh race at Churchill is another maiden. It's a mile and a 16th on dirt, purse of 100,000 for Phillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. Henry, do you like anything in here? All right. Well, this race is certainly a puzzle of a race. A lot of these horses have faced each other already and took turns losing. So that's usually not a good sign. Um Seaside Retreat, uh, four seconds and five starts. Um, watching back that April 30th race on Oaks Day, that was a maiden race where Distorted Verve came back after being beaten in mid-stretch. They were lined up six wide across the track, and somehow the horse came back and rallied and got up at 33-1 to one, uh, to win the race. So I'm inclined to toss everything out of that race as that race just looked bad. So I ended up um, down to two, uh, Princess Lee on the outside, and Shoshone Moon, the three-horse. Um, after going back and forth, I had, I'll end up with Princess Lee on the outside. Uh, takes blinkers off, has some early speed, um, hoping uh, can get a good trip from the outside there. Has faced really good company back at Oaklawn in the spring. Uh, Windmill's a nice horse. Uh, even back going further last year, she faced Travel Column, finished third. Um, so I think uh, while she's 0 for 7, 
She's in the money four times uh, outside of 12 to 1. I think she has a pretty good chance. Shoshone Moon stretches out for the first time, um, exits a race at Keeneland where she has some trouble at the start. Uh, she continues to work fast. Um, I think she's likely raced only with two races. I think she still has some upside. So those are the two I would lean on. Um, I think the others um, have had their chances and will look for someone else to uh, jump up here and get their main win. Okay, Princess Lee takes the blinkers off for Joe Sharp, and he hits at 33% at that angle with a 336 ROI. Chris, where did you land? Well, it is kind of a tough race. I I think there's a potential standout in here, though, in in the six horse bull tactics. Um, you know, he's his debut was really good. Um he even though, you know, he had some trouble, he made a, a really nice move and and ran well, I thought, in that race. And then his last start, he just had everything against him. He was kind of against the flow. He's kind of against the track. He had trouble. He still made a move um to me he just looks like a talented horse and now you know if he ever gets a a decent trip i think he could run a really big race and so to me he kind of stands out and in this sequence if i'm going to play it i might even just single him or at least make him a lone a in here because after that they're really hard to separate um so to me i really like the six horse bold tactics quite a bit and um you know i'll lean heavily on him there is another live long shot in here but i'll i'll wait and let scott weigh in before i go beyond that but to me bold tactics i think is definitely the most likely winner and given that you know you'll probably get four or five to one on the horse and there's just a race where everyone's going to be spreading probably this is where you can maybe separate yourself in the pick five so i i can separate myself anyway given my opinion of the race um, with the six bull tactics. Yeah, I'd be kind of surprised if that horse went off as high as nine to two, just because he is the fastest horse in the race. Um, definitely a use though, and I, uh, I, uh, he was against a speed flow in both his last two races. So I wrote that he could air. So I think he's more like a three to one. He might actually be favored in this race. The horse that I went with on top though uh, is Bahama Mischief. She goes. Oh, yeah, she goes third time off a layoff for Ian Wilkes, and that's his angle where he has a 272 ROI, and the dam was a dirt router, and um, I, I, I believe that horse is a must-include, even though it seems like the kind of race you want to go deep in, but I would probably go skinny and just uh, limit my, my, my risk for the entire pick five by only going with Bahama Mischief and Bold Tactics. Henry, anything else? Um, no, I mean, I Bull Tactics is certainly one that attracted me. I would probably pick him my third pick. I watched that race from Oakland this morning. I just, I don't know if I was as sold on it as you. He got, the horse came back on him on the inside to get second. He ended up third. Um, the race might have been over, so it might not matter. But just, um, I guess I was more lukewarm on him than you were. But um, 
uh, certainly can see if he has any improvement or gets a better trip, he could certainly be there. But uh, he'd be my third choice in here. Yes, as as Scott said, I mean, from a flow standpoint, he was totally against it. Uh, From a track bias standpoint, he was against it too. Um, That was a speed rail favoring track. So to me, there was a a lot he was up against. He was three to five. but to me, not, nothing really went his way, and he still ran well. And uh, you know, maybe maybe this track will be speed rail favoring, and they'll they'll crawl early. But if it's kind of a normally run race and a fair track, I think you know he's he's the best horse in the race. So that's uh, that's kind of where I'm. Just, I just I think that last race was a lot better than it looked, um, and the fact that he got a little tired at the end isn't surprising. Um, but there is a, a potential bomber in here I like um, that we nobody's mentioned. So um, as my second pick behind Bull Tactics, the other horse I would use because I think the the one the other horses in here they're all pretty good, but I, I don't see any of them making any dramatic improvement. But there is a horse, the nine horse, my Pharaoh Lady, who uh, at, on debut went off at four to five, going sprinting on the synth at Golden Gate. And just completely ran up the track. So I'm not sure what happened there. But clearly, based on the way it had trained up to that race, it had shown talent. And they made some dramatic changes. They shipped halfway across the country and changed barns. And now it's running in a dirt route instead of a scent sprint. Uh, the breeding says there's no reason why it can't run in a dirt route. It's by American Pharaoh out of a smart strike mare. Um, you know, all these changes and the way that it was bet and it, it trained prior to its debut, I think it could be really dangerous. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see uh, a big effort. And we just don't know how good this horse is, whereas the other horses behind Bull Tactics, I think we kind of know what they what you've got. They're not going to make any any you know big move forward, I don't think. But this my feral lady is sort of the wild card, so that's the one I would throw in. Um, the nine horse. We'll move to the eighth race at Churchill. It's an allowance optional claiming mile on the dirt, purse of a hundred and six thousand for three year olds and up. Chris, your turn to get us started on this one. Yeah, this is a good race. I like it. Um, there's several horses I like. Um, I'll just talk about one of them. He's a horse I've always been fond of, and that's the two-horse Finnick the Fierce, uh, who should be a really big price in here because he's finished up the track in his last two races. So, you know, why why would I like him? Well, as a four-year-old, he's a one-eyed horse. First of all, he that in mind, so that's always made him a little bit different. But he was on the, you know, the Triple Crown Trail last year. He never was really a threat to win any Triple Crown races, but he, he ran some pretty good races as a three-year-old. And you'd assume that if you, if he improves off of his three-year-old form as a four-year-old, he certainly would be good enough to win in here. Uh, he this year he started uh, with a pretty good comeback effort uh on the synth i'm not sure why they were running him on the synth but they did um and they ran him back a second time but in that race he was completely washed out before the race and he just took a left turn right out of the gate i'm guessing that's probably his bad eye 
or maybe that's his good eye. So he just went the direction he could see and um, kind of wiped out the horse next to him, kind of wiped himself out and had no chance. And he did the same thing again. For some reason they ran him on the turf in his next start. No idea why they've been running him on synth and turf this year. Did the same thing, made a left turn right out of the gate. So um, and maybe he makes a left turn right out of the gate again. So I would be a little nervous over Ferlon Giroux on the Dream Maker right inside him. But um, some reasons why he might not do that. A, he's back on the dirt, which I think is where he belongs. B, they um, gave him a gate work since then. And um, it was a good sharp gate work. I couldn't watch it, but I'm guessing maybe he broke straight. They also put the blinkers back on him. Before, I'm assuming he had them on for the gate work. And, you know, that could make a difference, especially for a one-eyed horse. I, I think maybe that will help. And um, uh, even better, they, it's Bejarano off. So they made a, a, what I think is a positive rider switch here. So I'm hoping with the new rider, blinkers on, the gate work, maybe he breaks straight this time. Um, and assuming he's not washed out before the race. So I would, I would look for that if you're thinking about following my crazy advice and, and considering playing this horse, check him out for the race. But assuming he's not all washed out and he can break straight, I think uh, he could certainly win this race at a really big price. So Finnick the Fierce, long, long shot uh, possibility, the two horse in this race. As you said, he puts blinkers on and the trainer has a 340 ROI with that angle. Henry, where did you land? All right, in this race, I landed on the three horse, uh, My Six Cents. I think this horse comes in uh, third off a layoff. Looks like he's uh, one of the main uh, early speeds in here. Um, he likes to track being uh, five for eight in the money at Churchill Downs. He's uh, five for eight in the money at the distance. I think a one-turn mile uh, suits him pretty well. Um, at five to one, I think that's a reasonable price. He's had three uh, pretty decent work since his last race, including 59-2 and two on April 28th. Um, so I think given uh, seems to be a relative lack of pace in here, I think he might get a very nice trip either on the front end or right off the front end and uh, could score here at a decent price of 5-1. to one. The horse on the outside is a bit of the wild card, Big Dreaming, who appears, uh, I think, the uh, out of a Dreaming of Anna, who I think won a Breeders' Cup race years ago, a homebred for Frank Calabrese. Um, horse has some odd placements going turf to dirt, back to turf, now back to dirt. Has a super fast work after working super slow before its first start of the year. Um, have a feeling this horse will get over bet, but um, it's kind of an odd, uh, odd placement in here. It just makes you think... Uh, um, it's kind of a puzzler. So um, that horse is kind of a question mark, but my top pick would be the three, uh, my six cents. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to land in the same place as Chris. Finnick the fierce. Uh, you made all the points that, uh, that I was going to make. He was on the triple crown trail last year. He sort of went wrong. He's back this year with one win on synthetic and then two off races, one on synth and one on turf. Uh, I think he's ready to show the development and he's, you know, he's improved. He's going to show some improvement from three-year-old to four-year-old year. 
if he's ever going to do it, that today is the day. So he's a play. The other horse that I'm interested in is the four empty tomb who shows a nice workout since his last race. That last race was his best effort ever. And he's improved as usually horses do once Mike maker takes them over. Uh, they don't usually improve right away, but they um, sort of make some steady progress and then reach another echelon. So uh, uh, with, with Tyler Gaff on for Mike maker, good combo that hits pretty well. Um, that's the horse I want to include. And I have noticed these maker horses when they run their best workouts ever for him, the, the next race, they run well. So, uh, keep that in mind. And he's five to one morning line. seems like we'll get that here. Yeah. I, um, I just kind of concur with a lot. Uh, Henry on my sixth sense seems like this, the possible lone speed, always dangerous. I'm, I was kind of thinking that that was pretty obvious and the horse might get bet, but if you get that horse, you know, floats up, that would definitely be a, a horse. And certainly one you want to include in the pick five. Um, the big dreaming horse. I just want to say a couple of things. First of all, I kind of tatted him on the pod last time uh, as like, an, it wasn't one of the races we covered, but I said, you know, is there any other horse you like? This is one I said, I thought could run a big race. If you watch the replay of that last race, you know, you're going to conclude either A, it was just a total prep and they weren't trying at all. B, it got horse got completely stiffed or C, it was just one of the worst rides of all time. It had to be one of those three things because this horse just got a double hammer lock and was completely rank and fighting it for like the first six furlongs of the race. And they were just crawling on the front end and they were just dragging this horse back the whole time, just completely strangled any, any will to run at all out of the horse. It was a horrible, no chance trip. So completely toss that race. Um, and, you know, the fast work since, and he was working well before that race. I'm just completely toss that race. I have no idea what they're going to do now. They change riders and they're now they're back on the dirt. So I'm thinking maybe they, they put him on the turf saying, you know, this is just a prep. But, you know, it's not like they prep for a stakes race. I just have no idea what they were doing that last time. But, you know, I don't know what to expect out of this horse. If he is the favorite, he's probably worth betting against because he has to improve to win. But that last race was just a complete, you know, joke of a of a trip and ride. So keep that in mind. Don't hold that last run against him for sure. Uh, there is one other horse I like in here after Finnick the Fierce, and that is the six horse Thirst for Life, who um, is an interesting horse because he runs some really fast races and then he runs a lot of bad races. I mean, he's kind of a, a horse that just clearly he he bounces off his good efforts. I mean, I'll use that term. I don't. I try not to use it too often, but this is a horse that really does kind of the traditional bounce off of good efforts. And uh, his best effort will win this race. And, you know, he's coming in second off a layoff, off a decent effort on a sloppy track. This is the kind of race where he might run that big race. I mean, every year, you know, he runs one big race in May or June. And this this could be the time that he does it. And if he does, he'll win. And you know, he usually runs another really good race in the late fall. Um, so, you know, this is the kind of horse that 
you can catch at a price, and then you you definitely play against him the next time he runs. But you know, I don't think you want to miss this one when he fires. And it's probably going to be either this race or maybe his next start. He's going to do it, and you're going to get a decent price. This horse doesn't get bet typically, so you're going to get a good price. Um, and it, this might be the day. So I think you have to include this horse in your pick five, and he's very dangerous because if he does fire, he can definitely win. So for me, it's probably the two Finnick, the Fierce. He'll be a really big price. The six Thirst for Life. And then I, I would probably include my sixth sense as well just because the horse could clear. Um, that's kind of the way I see this one. Anybody else? Scott? Sorry, I forgot to unmute. Uh, I was saying that Thirst for Life is four for 18 at Churchill. That's four of his seven wins are at Churchill. And in fact, he's uh, got four wins, four places, and three shows out of 18 races at Churchill. So this is where he runs his big races. When he runs them, he runs them here. So uh, <clears throat> I would uh, agree with you that he, the horse probably needs to be included. Yeah, and those big wins, a lot of them are this time of year. I mean, he ran big in June as a four-year-old. He ran big in May as a five-year-old, and he ran big in June as a six-year-old. So, you know, the May-June uh, early uh, is the time he typically fires at Churchill, and this is second off the layoff. So I think he's a must-include in your pick five. We'll move to the last race. It's the... The ninth race at Churchill is the Kirtana Overnight Stakes, a mile and a half on turf, purse of 110,000. Phillies and Mares, four-year-olds and up. Henry, are you with or against Delica from the outside? Well, I wish I could say I was against her, but it seems odd they're running, at her, running her at a mile and a half again. But um, if she's on the lead in here, I don't know that anyone else is going to go with her and she might be the lone speed in here three to one isn't a great price but i just can see her alone on the lead she comes out of a pretty decent race no one was going to beat uh warlike goddess in the last um i don't see anyone else going with her if she goes more than 50 for the first half i think she might be gone even though it's a mile and a half but uh she just seems like the lone speed. It, it's kind of chalky in here. I think the eight Delta's Kingdom is probably probably the alternate. Um, she could be reasonably close and get first run. Um, but unfortunately, beyond that, um, I didn't see much else in here that attracted me. Okay, Delica, a little keen in her last race. Her broodmare sire is Hurricane Run, so she's got some distance pedigree. Chris, what did you think? Well, you know, I kind of think the um, the 12 furlongs is a big question mark for Delica. I mean, she tried it last time, didn't run that well. And um, now they're trying it again. Maybe she had excuses, but for a favorite, you know, I has never been the distance. The one, one time she's been the distance was one of her poorer efforts. Uh, you know, but prior to that, she had never run at over a mile and a 16th, I don't think. So you know, I, I'm kind of against Delica 
And typically when she wins, she gets perfect trips. And I do think the one horse down on the rail could 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 get sent. It it ran pretty well um, on the front end last time. It got tired as well. But my guess is that's probably will be their strategy again in here. And so maybe she'll be enough to keep Delika honest. And and that mile and a half, I just think she's worth trying to beat. I agree Delta's kingdom, though, is kind of rock solid. The, the distance is not a question for that horse. Doesn't win a lot, though, but it, it usually runs a good race. So, you know, I I think you could see an upset here. And there's a kind of horse I like to play, and I'm and I, that's who I'm going to go with. And, and that's the two-horse uh, first course. This horse, you know, is really bred to get better the longer they go and the and the longer she races and she's by curling out of a dynaformer mirror and her first try at a mile and a half you know she she won she probably ran the race of her life and now she gets a second try at that distance she gets an inside post she gets that magical bejarano off uh Raiden van dyke i I, he's been kind of off and on lately, but uh, I've always thought his he was best going long on the turf. So I think, you know, he likes to save ground. So this horse should be able to save ground on three turns, the three-turn race. And we talked about how in Hong Kong, saving ground is important. Well, in a three-turn race in the U.S., saving ground can be really big. So I think this horse could get a rail trip. Uh, it's really bred to get better. It should be on the improve. It doesn't have to improve that much, uh, assuming it can save ground all the way around to, to upset the favorites. And I think, you know, Delica's a little suspect. Delta's Kingdom doesn't win a lot of races. They both drew outside. Delica, probably not as big a deal because she'll be forwardly placed, but Delta's Kingdom could get caught wide. Um, and if you get caught wide on three turns, that's not good in a turf race. So, you know, you can make a case for some others, but I think the value is the two horse first course. Okay, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna echo your thoughts on first course, and I also I think Delika. She was keen in her last race. Uh, she's not value, but um, I'd have a hard time excluding her. I think that uh, that keenness may have been her undoing, and she'll have you know she, she'll have a much easier time this time. And uh, so I I would probably still use her in the pick five, but not with not with any other favorite because then it's just you know it's kind of a valueless pick five. Uh, I'd add one horse to the list besides Delica in first course, and that's Tweedy Show, who is a marathoner who's second off a layoff. The trainer is two for eight, second off a layoff. He 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 doesn't train many horses, Ron Isbell. In fact, he, he trained another horse that was a good long shot um, sort of um, – I think she was a marathoner. Her name was Gretchen something. Uh, hopefully one of you guys can remember – Gretchen Starr, I think, was her name. So uh, I just think that this horse has – it's a proven marathoner. And uh, even though it hasn't won at the distance, it has a second at the distance. And it also has a win at a mile and three-eighths. 
and just seems to be coming up right. And he's using this jockey, Julie Burke. I don't know if he's related to her, but they hit a 24% with a, a big fat ROI. So, so I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll call Tweety show my, my first call, I'll give her my first call and, uh, also include first course and Delica. And hopefully if one of those three wins, then, uh, two of us will, uh, w- w- there's a good chance that one or two or of us will also have the winner. Henry, jump in if you have anything else you want to add. No, I mean, I think all you guys make valid points. It's a wide open race. Um, I think I'm hoping on the one horse Talamo on is the negative and the horse won't be sent. So Delica might get an easy lead, but I could see your point there where that might be some pressure, but you know, we'll see. It's kind of one of those races where you might know what's going to happen in the first quarter, uh, depending on who decides to go to the front. Yeah, it tends to be a lot of it's how are the trips are what kind of determine what's going to happen in a race like this. That's quite often the case. All right. Well, I don't really have any more, any more to add to this. Um, do you guys have any other picks on the card if, if, or the Belmont or Churchill cards, if you had a chance to look at any other races to begin with? Anything else, Henry? Um, I, can, I can give you a few. I can give you one at Churchill, which the first race is a, a two-year-old maiden race. Uh, first-time starter Roger McQueen ships down from Arlington for Larry Ravelli, obviously shipping for the $100 purse instead of the meager purses at Arlington. That horse has some super-fast works. I think that horse breaks first and is gone. Uh, value probably it's three-to-one morning line. Probably will take some money, but I think that horse is a standout and will go gate to wire in the first. Beyond that, I can give you a few around the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, the yeah Pura, why don't you give us your, your play of the day in France or something? I give you the play of the day in Ireland. Um, it's raining in the Cura. If they run the race, um, it's the thousand or 2,000 Irish guineas. Number six, Max Sweeney is eight to one. I think that horse is a uh, live price there. And then Hong Kong has the last grade one of its season uh, this weekend. Race eight, the longest shot in the field, Packing Waltham, I think has a chance to uh, hit the board at a pretty big price. So those are the two uh, prices overseas this weekend. All right. Uh, what what race is the Max Sweeney? What number race is the It's uh, uh, race Cura. four at the Curra. It's the uh, Irish 2000 Guineas. So... Um, it's going to be heavy okay. ground, I think, if they run the race. We're getting a lot of rain, so hopefully they run the race. But that horse um, looks live at a price. All right. Can you can, can you top uh, an Irish and Hong Kong pick of the day? No, I, I think that's a that's a good note to end on. Henry's international uh, spot plays. We, we might have to you know get those from him every week if these yeah. win. Well, you know, you guys had uh, Andy Byer on last week, so I figured I got to do something to, uh, you know, make sure that next week your guests will have to uh, uh, build on that. So, you know, we'll see. Okay. Well, All right, uh, Max Sweeney. I like go Max. Max Sweeney, eight to one. I'd like to thank our guest, Henry Wessel. Henry, thanks for handicapping with us today. Thanks. Enjoy the weekend. Have a, uh, you know, good luck to both of you guys. 
That will conclude show number 122 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck in the cross country pick five. And also in all your bets on the Cura and also Hong Kong racing. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. I see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers.